Upwardly, and we satisfy our need for connection with prayer, God shares His peace with us. Are you struggling having peace right now? And not just peace, the cessation of hostilities, but true flourishing. That's what peace really means. You got to ask yourself, your lack of personal peace is actually tied to connecting with God through prayer. As unsettled as our world has been lately, you may find yourself in need of peace. Today, Pastor Daniel teaches that God will give you his peace when you connect to him in prayer. This peace doesn't necessarily mean the absence of conflict, but encompasses the abundance of life, true flourishing. It's a life filled to the brim with him. This is what Jesus came to bring you, and you can experience it when you pray. Here's Pastor Daniel with the conclusion of his message called The Need for a Connection in the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 11. We want to be able to say, Lord, I want you to make sure that when if I hit my retirement number so that if I live to 107 years old, I'll have enough. If not, I'm going to be totally anxious all my retirement. Now, don't get me wrong. Those of you who are retired, I realize that that's a... Uh, a challenging part of life. You've turned your career over. You have a fixed income. You don't know what's going to happen. I realize that. Not one looking to minimize it. But beyond that fear, it also reveals a lack of trust in the provision of God. And I say that as a younger brother, gently encouraging my older brothers and sisters to keep their eyes on Jesus and not their 401k. Because God is sovereign over that too. Give us this day our daily bread. Not only that, but all of the debts, the forgiveness that is needed, personal forgiveness and the forgiveness of others. Beautiful. Forgive us our sins. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about, isn't it? God alleviating the debt that we owe him because of our rebellion Because isn't that what happens when a relationship gets severed, a debt exists. When somebody does something that hurts you, they owe you at the very least an apology, right? That's why the idea of debt and forgiveness, Jesus puts them together. Because if somebody wrongs you, at the very least they should make it right by acknowledging that they wronged you, right? And the Christian message is that God says, look, you owe me a debt because you have severed our relationship, but You can't pay that debt, so I'm going to send my son to come and live and die and to rise again for you. Because the exorbitant, exploding personal debt that you have to me is so big, you can't satisfy it, so I'm going to take care of it for you. And that's why we believe in Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, that's why you want to say yes to Jesus. Because you and I have done so many things wrong. That saying yes to Jesus satisfies the exorbitant obligation you have of debt to God. I love it. Every once in a while, someone says, well, I don't really believe in sin. I'm like, yes, you do. They'll say, no, I don't. I'm like, let me prove it to you. I'm like, look, are you ever as good as you could be? 
Sometimes, are you always as good as you could be? No, that's called sin in the Bible. See, sin is that a person is not always as good as they could be. And if somebody is remotely honest with themselves, we all know that we're not always as good as we could be. And every time we're not as good as we could be, that's what the Bible calls sin. And Jesus says, look, part of your pattern of prayer, you need to ask for forgiveness. And what's amazing is as we receive forgiveness, then we can forgive other people who have hurt us. See, our ability to forgive is determined by our relationship with God. As we realize how much God has forgiven us, then we can pass that along. They call it an argument from the greater to the lesser. That God has forgiven us so much so we can forgive somebody who hurt us legitimately, but the breath and the depth of that hurt is nowhere near as big as what we've done to God. So we forgive others and we live a life of forgiveness. And then he says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's interesting that this prayer reminds us that each one of us can be tempted and is tempted, and that we have an enemy that wants to see us defeated. You know, it's unfortunate. We live in a day and age, especially in our culture, where we don't like to talk about Satan. It seems kind of primitive. In the end of that movie, The Usual Suspects, Kaiser Sose says, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he wasn't real. Brilliant. It's a brilliant strategy. That we're all too sophisticated and smart to believe that there isn't an angel who fell, who exists in the spiritual realm, who wreaks havoc on the lives of people. Brothers, sisters, because we believe the Bible, don't be that naive. Satan is real. Yeah, you might not be able to see him directly, but you see the effects of his work everywhere. See, that's the downside of the scientific revolution, as if all information can only be understood by evidence. But you know what the problem with that idea is? is most of us, people say it all the time, like, I can't believe it. I need to see evidence. No, no. There's certain things you can't prove with evidence. Like, let me give you an example. My mother passed away. Now almost... 18 years ago, I can't prove that my mother loved me. I can't prove it. I can't give you one piece of evidence to say that my mother, who is no longer with us, loved me. But guess what? I know that my mother loved me because I, but I can't prove it to you. I can't, I can show you videos of her. I can show you pictures of her. None of it is evidence that she loves me. But guess what? I know that she loves me. I cannot give you evidence that A piece of music that brings tears to your eyes is actually a good piece of music, but it brings tears to your eyes. See, we could do this all day. The problem with the scientific method is that not everything is evidentiary. And I'm here to tell you, you can see the effects of Satan all over the world today, but because you can't see him, somebody say, well, I won't believe in that. And that's just not logical. It's not logical. But this is the pattern of prayer. Now listen to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 beautiful scripture about prayer. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful verse, isn't it? That you don't have to be anxious, but pray and make your requests, your petitions be known to God. And then God's peace, which completely 
surpasses all the understanding a human can have will guard not only your heart, but your mind. When we pray, when we live upwardly and we satisfy our need for connection with prayer, God shares his peace with us. Are you struggling having peace right now? And not just peace, the cessation of hostilities, but true flourishing. That's what peace really means. You got to ask yourself, your lack of personal peace is actually tied to connecting with God through prayer. Let's find ourselves in that place. So that's the first P. Now look what it says in verse 5 here. Luke chapter 11. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So now we have persistence in prayer. We saw the pattern of prayer. Now we have persistence in prayer. See, Jesus loves to tell these stories. And he tells the stories. Like, which one of you has a friend? Right? And this friend has a visitor who shows up at night. Now, you might say, well, okay, so what's up with the visitor showing up at night? Well, you got to remember, they lived in the desert. And it was hot. And it was before the day and age of air conditioning. And so if you wanted to travel to see someone, oftentimes you would start to travel when the sun went down so that you wouldn't bake by the time that you got there. And so you'd show up at night. And so friends would show up unexpectedly. And so imagine all of a sudden your friend shows up and it's midnight and you're, everybody's already sleeping. And then you're like, oh man, I don't have any bread to give my friend. He's traveled all this way. I didn't know he was coming because they didn't have email or text or the U.S. Postal Service, even though, you know, with the post office, it won't come until later anyway. Not if you work for the post. I'm just not, I'm just having fun. Being cheeky. Sorry. Strike that. It didn't happen. Kind of like me getting my mail. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're talking about forgiveness. Sorry. Imagine your friend shows up and you don't have any food. So what do you, you go to your neighbor, right? So you go to the neighbor and he goes to the neighbor and he says, my friend showed up and he's been traveling. Can you just give me three loaves? And the guy's like, it's the middle of the night. Now, you notice what he says. He's like, the door's already shut and my kids are here with me in bed. Now, when you read that in the 21st century, you think, what on earth is he talking about? But back in the day, they didn't have three and two houses where little Johnny gets his room and little Sally gets her room and mom and dad get the master suite. Everybody, it was a one-roomed house, and everybody slept in the same room. Now, how many of you ever have shared a bed with your kids? You know why they got rid of that scenario, right? We just had it the other day, man. Maranatha, all of a sudden, I, Maranatha in the middle of the night, she's like, oh, I had a bad dream. And, and Lynn's just like, well, go talk to your dad. And I'm like, okay, I'll take you back. And Maranatha just climbs in bed and falls asleep. And that was really sweet for about three seconds. Because then all of a sudden, Maranatha's sleeping diagonal. And, you know, God bless Lynn. Lynn's so patient and stuff. But, like, I'm like, man, forget this. So I just picked her up. And I'm like, you're going back to your bed. She didn't even wake up. Praise God. And neither did Lynn. I mean, she's like, I thought Maranatha was in our bed. And I'm like, man, I got rid of that in two seconds. So 
back, you realize the reason you have rooms for your kids is because you don't want their toes in your rib cage all night. <laughs> I'm getting a hallelujah. Yeah. But back in the day, they all stayed in the same room. And you could imagine the doors, they were shut. They were big doors and they were locked. And he was like, look, if I open the door, everyone's going to wake up. And you know what's worse than having your baby sleep in your bed is that when everyone wakes up in the middle of the night, right? How many of you had that where something goes on in the middle of the night and the whole house is up and mom and dad are ready to fall asleep and the kids are like, it's party time. Can we get some breakfast? And you're like, go to bed. You know, right? <laughs> but notice what it says. So the guy's first answer is no, because you're going to wake the whole house up. But then Jesus says in verse 8, but I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. See, this teaches us that persistence in prayer is important. Why? Not because God doesn't want to answer the prayer. We're going to talk about that in a second. But because God wants us to learn how to be people who are not giving up on God very quickly. See, this is, most of you, you pray about something that doesn't happen, you stop praying. Which is exactly why God didn't do it right away. Because God does not want you to think that God is a great cosmic vending machine. You just put in your nickels of prayer and you get your soda pop. God wants you to learn how to seek after his heart. Just the way, you ladies, if you're single, you do not just say, yes, I'll marry you to a guy who hasn't even asked you out on a date yet or asked your dad if he can take your hand in marriage. You need to make that guy work for it a little bit. And you know what? It shows you who he is. Now, I'm not saying you should be overly hard on the brother, but if he's not willing to grow and seek after and pursue your heart and do all the things that a godly man should do to prove that he's a godly man, then he should not be your husband. And see, God realizes that by not answering prayer right away, he's going to deepen the relationship. That's what happens. Because you keep seeking him. And Lord, I know that your word says. And when you were waiting for a prayer and answer to prayer for something, you're searching the word. And you're like, Lord, I got this promise. And I got this promise. And Lord, I know that you're good. And I know that you want to do good in the world. And Lord, I don't understand why this is happening. And as you go through that process, sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says maybe in a little while. Sometimes God says yes. But the process of that deepens a relationship. Because how many of us have prayed not have the prayer answered only to realize that my prayer was sinful. Am I the only one who had that experience? See, when God doesn't answer prayer immediately, we learn who God is and who we are, which is what the art of living is all about. If God just gives you everything you want, then you never learn who he is and what's in me. See, God wants to transform us, not just give us everything that we want. And persistence is essential for that. So how many of you, you know that you're praying to God along lines with God's revealed will and God hasn't answered that prayer? Keep praying. And keep praying along line with what God wants to do. Some of you have been praying for your spouses for a long time. Keep praying because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But God's timing is different from ours. So we need to learn persistence in prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 16, 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Beautiful. Pray without ceasing. That means be persistent in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Now look what it says in verse 9. 
It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Brothers and sisters, now we have the principle of prayer. See, the principle of prayer comes down to these three words, asking, seeking, and knocking. All of these words are in what we would call in the Greek the present continuous tense, which is not you ask one time, you seek one time, you knock one time. It's a perpetual seeking and asking and knocking. It's something that has to not go on one time, but many times. And it says that if you ask, you will receive. And if you seek, you will find. And if you knock, it will be open to you. See, the principle is, is that God wants our lives to be a posture of prayer. That we're continually involved in this act of prayer. See, and then he uses these examples. Like, if one of your kids asks you for bread, are you going to give them a stone? So he's like, I'm hungry. Here, eat this rock. You only do that if you're a dentist, right? <laughs> Never mind. If he asked for a fish, which was a common food of the day, as it is today, would you give him a serpent? No. If he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? See, what he's saying is, if you are evil, you don't want to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? See, the principle of prayer is that you have a good God who loves you, who wants to bring blessings into your life, and really God's greatest blessing is not all this stuff, but the presence of the Spirit of God. And God wants to bless his kids because he's an even better father than we know how to be. And the principle of prayer is you need to keep asking. You need to keep seeking. You need to keep knocking. And when you ask, you will receive at God's appointed time. If you seek, you will find at God's appointed time. If you knock, at some juncture, God will open something for you. But it reminds us of James chapter 4, verse 3. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Brothers and sisters, I believe that that's a challenging word for us today. Many of us don't have our prayers answered because it's all about us and our pleasures rather than saying the true outcome of prayer is God himself. See, we pray for things, but what we really want is to live vertically and experience the fullness of God that he has opened up for us in Christ. And what you find when you are persistent in prayer, when you learn to follow Jesus' patterns of prayer, when you decide that you're going to trust that God is a good God, at the end of the road, what you find is that God is a good God which is the answer to your prayer. You really wanted a car, but really what you wanted was a spiritual connection to God, and God is a good God. You really just wanted healing in this area or deliverance in this area, but what you really got is the presence of God in the midst of the journey, which the deepest longing of your heart, that need for connection, is being satisfied by. See, what I've learned over time is the ultimate answer to our prayer is God himself, not 
the thing that we wanted. But you only learn that by learning how to live a life of prayer, which is challenging and hard, and it doesn't make much sense, and why isn't God answering my prayer? Maybe is there sin in my life? Maybe is there this? Maybe is there that? You go through all this stuff only to realize that all you really want is God and the experience of God in your life, and that's where the art of living is found. But God used all these different things to deepen that relationship. So we've seen the pattern of prayer, persistence in prayer, the principle of prayer. I want to talk with you real briefly about the practice of prayer. Now, this is important because this isn't in our text, but as somebody who is seeking to learn the art of living with you, I realize that the reason people struggle with prayer is because there's no one right way to do it. And if you're a person of prayer, you end up trying all different things. And for many of you, if you look at your prayer lives, if you're a person of prayer, you find that over time, you've tried all sorts of things. And some things, you sense God's presence in the midst of it, and sometimes you stop sensing God's presence in the midst of it. And so I really want to encourage you to experiment with prayer. Because the goal of prayer is knowing God, connecting with God. And certain things will work for certain seasons. You have things like vocal versus silent prayer. I'm going to talk more about silence next week. Sometimes when you're praying out loud vocally, you sense the presence of God. And sometimes when you stop talking, you sense the presence of God. They seem like they're different, but they're both prayer. They're just vocal or silent prayer. There's public versus private prayer. When I'm ending this message, I'm going to pray publicly. But then Jesus talks in Matthew's gospel about going into your prayer closet where no one sees you. Sometimes we pray publicly, sometimes we pray privately. Your focus of your prayer can be vertical or horizontal. Sometimes prayer is you're talking to God. Sometimes your prayer is about the blessings of people. See, I can do this all day with you. I have a million of these things. You have formal versus conversational prayer. Given the fact that we're a non-denominational church, we have a tendency to go towards more conversational prayers. You talk to God. But for the history of Christianity and in Judaism, there's all sorts of recorded prayers, written prayers. Some people would say that you can't pray a formal prayer that's been written. Why not? Did you ever write a letter to somebody? How many of you have reread a letter that somebody wrote to you? Yeah, formal. See, it's not wrong to someone write a prayer. People recite the model prayer as part of their prayer life. Why? Because Jesus said it. Many of us have taken prayers of the Bible and prayed them to God. Jesus is We're so glad you stayed with us today as Pastor Daniel wrapped up this teaching on prayer, saying that it's the fulfillment of your need for connection. You discovered that the true outcome of prayer is God himself. When you pray, even if you're asking God to help you in some way, you're really asking for him to show up in your life, to make his presence known. So then prayer is about your connection with the fullness of God in your everyday moments. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's word and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. 
find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will talk about the need for intimacy, to be known and to know others. You'll learn that intimacy is rooted in the ability to be present. But most people have forgotten how to do that because they're so caught up in the busyness and noise of life. Pastor Daniel will remind you of your need to slow down and sit quietly before the Lord. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called The Art of Living. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.